Hey everybody, Harry here from the Goom and Human Experience. I'm excited for today's show because we have the one and only Dr. Ashley Harris, who is a chiropractor here in Ottawa, and she is the person who puts my body back together on a monthly basis to make sure that I'm able to perform at 100% every day. In the episode, we go through lots of different types of exercise people should be doing, different tips, and just really giving you a better understanding of how the body works. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you have any questions, you have any comments, please feel free to hit us up. Love seeing all the comments, getting all the feedback from all of you. I really appreciate it. And I'm thankful that you guys continue to listen to the podcast. I hope you have a beautiful day. Hope this helps. Have a great one. So how long have you been at Capital Strength for? I started there in March of 2018. Now, you're not from Ottawa, correct? No, I'm from Nova Scotia. You're out from out east, and so then what brought you to Ottawa? It's a bit of a roundabout story. So I did my first degree in Newfoundland, and so most of my family's from Newfoundland. I had really good support there, so it's a nice place to kind of break the ice and move away from home. And then from there, I became interested in both medicine traditionally and chiropractic medicine. So I applied to Dal Med, and then I also applied to CMCC in Toronto. I got into both, and I was really struggling with that decision. So my mom actually was the one that said, hey, you should, you should shadow both. Go see what each person is doing each day and see what you like. And it turns out I hate hospitals. So that was a pretty cut and dried way, but everyone was sick and sad and really looking for someone to fix them as opposed to being you know, upbeat and looking to improve their life. And I just figured that, that was a more natural fit for me. So you're saying to me, because you work at Capital Strength in Ottawa, and I know Bianca works there. So you're telling me that two Newfoundlanders work at, I didn't know this. So I I, I know Bianca and I forgot that you are both from Newfoundland. That's a small world that both of you are working in, of all places, same gym, and both from Newfoundland. Did you guys know each other back home or no? No, no, no. So she was. That's me being ignorant, pretending it's like a small town that everybody knows each other. Well, it's funny because she went to Gonzaga High School, which is right next to the university. So I, we've played soccer on the same field. And we've done a lot of the same things, and we talk about that often. Okay. Yeah. And so then you went to CMA. You went to Toronto Chiropractor. You picked the progressive type of uh, work. Yeah. And then how did you end up in Ottawa? So my partner, Leah, okay. he's from Toronto, and I wanted to go back out east, he wanted to stay in Toronto. Toronto is not a great market to start as a chiropractor because the school is there. So every year they pump out 200 more chiropractors, it's very saturated, it's very competitive. So I said, essentially, oh no, I can't. And he was looking for a place that he could have a pretty easy lateral transfer to, uh, and Ottawa was the one. So you met him in Toronto then? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So he's from Toronto, so then Ottawa was the place that you decided to agree on for both of you yeah and then so then you started your practice and then how did you end up so now you're all you're at a couple locations in the city so where are you working out of currently so i'm at capital strength yeah and i found them through volleyball which i'll get into in a sec and then i'm at athletes care at beachwood at beachwood okay and so you are working on me a lot of the times 
and you, I know that you have a yoga background. So which one came first? Was it yoga, then chiropractor, or was it chiropractor, then yoga? I had a pretty, we'll say intense yoga practice most of my athletic career, and I did a lot of sports in high school. So I started yoga probably at around 15, but I didn't do my teacher training until I was in chiropractic school. So you did that all at once, because obviously there's a synergy. So walk us through, why did you do yoga when you were younger? So what sports did you play? Because you see, for me, when I go see someone who works on my body, I like knowing that they played sports yeah. before, right? And so I think that's one thing that I connected with you when, you, when we were talking. I'm like, you know, she works out, she takes care of herself. That's the kind of person who I think is gonna give me the same type of care. And so which sports got you into, obviously it led from, when you went from medicine, you got it from sports. So what sports did you play? Uh, I played a lot of sports. I guess you could almost say all of them mm-hmm. <laughs> at one point or another. The big, the big focus was volleyball for sure. Um, horseback riding, so that was a seven day a week, um, hard on your body sport, which people underestimate how much physical work that is in a lot of different ways. And then I kind of incidentally ended up in competitive snowboarding, so I did border cross as well, which is the obstacle course, Olympic stuff, it's crazy, five people in the course at once, elbowing, shoving, crazy. Um, in Newfoundland? Uh, this was in Nova Scotia, so this was okay. in high school. Okay, okay. And then volleyball and snowboarding carried over into Newfoundland, and then I doubled around with like rugby, soccer, badminton, tennis, that kind of stuff, but those are the three main ones. So all around, very good athlete, then Toronto, and then are you, were you playing sports when you were at chiropractor college, or was just, you got into yoga? Um, so yoga was consistent, um, but the chiropractic school is full of athletes, as you can imagine. A lot of us were athletes and came from an athletic background, so our intramurals were insane, is the best way to say it. Very competitive. There's Olympic athletes that went to chiropractic school, like the thir- second best crossfitter in the world right now, is, is a chiropractor. Wow. So it's just the intramurals were very high level. That was enough. I didn't really need other sports at that point. And were you always lifting weights and training? Um, I got more into that. I have I dabbled in competitive kayaking for a while, and that was they were really ahead of the game. They really started strength training off season. They were very programmed about what you do on and off season and leading up to competitive sport because it's a very interesting sport in that you're not using your legs but you are. So they really trained the full body in a way that a lot of sports weren't doing at the time. So I carried that over and then in university with volleyball, strength training was mandatory. And then, so now you're in Ottawa, you're doing chiropractor and you're helping lots of people, right? So how long have you been in practice now in Ottawa? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. And so I want to get into the grid of this, right? Because what I feel like for me, I've always had someone who's worked on my body from playing rugby to now doing sports, working out. I've always had people work on my body to make sure that it's tuned up. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't work on their bodies. They just think that, oh, I'm fine, or I'm gonna do a little bit of the stretching. Yoga, thankfully, has made a big push now, which has helped a lot of people just work on their mobility and prevent injury. But what I wanna get from you are, what are some things that you're seeing now? Because you probably work with how many people? How many people have you seen now? Like, probably more than 500. Perfect, so yeah. you, I'm sure that there's some tips that you can give our everyday listener of some things that you see that we gotta be doing. Like, I know what's wrong with my body, right? Like, cause you, sh- you pretty much tell me all the time, like, okay, here, we gotta work on this. But what are some things that you're seeing, if you were to think of your 500 people that you've worked with, what are maybe one or three things that you see as a common trait that they all thought was either normal or that they didn't know was wrong with them or that, you know, you know that feeling of, hey, I walked into a therapist to work on my body and I didn't realize that I could feel this much better by doing this. So what are three things that you see 
uh, that someone didn't know that it's so easy to fix, that they didn't have to live with that. Um, so the thing I see the most is back pain. That's kind of, people trust chiropractors for back pain, so that's the, usually the first thing that will walk into my office. Mm -hmm. And it's a couple of simple fixes are working on, they usually have a lot of, I don't want to say instability because that's too aggressive, but they're moving a lot through their lower spine and then they're not moving as much through their upper back and hips. So if you teach them like a couple things like hopping on a foam roller, this is a couple of things that you can do with your hips to get them moving better. And here's a quick like stability fix for your core. It's usually achievable. It takes them four or five minutes each day and they'll notice a very dramatic difference. So lots of low back pain that yeah. you see and you're saying that there's some foam rollers and some different ways to do that. What else do you see a lot of? I see a lot of headaches, a lot of neck pain. So usually a lot of people are sitting at their desk doing this, yeah. and then they drive in their car like this, and then they go home and sit on their couch like this. And they text. So, yeah, and then they text like that, of course. So teaching people that, people get really caught up in posture. So it's like, oh, I have to stand like this, and it's rigid, and it's robotic. And it, the, the saying that's circulating in the therapeutic community now is your, next, your best posture is your next posture. So as long as you're being dynamic. So if we're standing still, it's shifting from side to side, it's looking different ways, it's moving all the time because your body will automatically... So looking like you have ADD, <laughs> right? I, I tend to kind of dance in place. Yeah. yeah. Um, your body will automatically stabilize for that in a way that it won't. If you're sitting for a long time, not moving, all of your active stabilization turns off. You're relying on your passive elements like your ligaments, your joints, all that kind of stuff. That's where a lot of pain comes from. So I see a lot of that. Most of the people just aren't moving. Gotcha. So, just more, so what you're saying is they can do more movement, more core activation, and so what else would you see? Like, what are some, what's something that you, that we wouldn't think? Like, you know, with me, you always tell me that, you're like, Harry, your, um, what is it, uh, my rotators. Yeah. Harry, your rotators are tight. Well, how, how, why would that be? Because, you know, we see a lot of people in our office that they say, oh, if I sleep on my shoulder, my, my hands freeze, or I don't feel good. And from what I've learned, I know that's more rotator, some rotator stuff going on. So. How come I'm always a guy who has bad rotators? What, what, like, I'm sure there's other weekend warriors like me who have the same thing. So what are some things that you see that, like, is there anything else that you would see? Um, so rotators, that tends to be for more of an athletic population. The people, you have to notice that you have an issue there. Gotcha. Which you have to challenge your body in order to notice you have an issue there. Yeah. So in your general population, I don't see a whole lot of that. Okay. It's mostly in your weekend warriors and then your high level athletes because these are people that actually challenge their body one way or another, even if it's only going for a walk for 30 minutes. They'll be like, oh, I walked for 30 minutes and my feet started to hurt or my hips started to hurt. It's walking, why is this happening? And you really have to kind of pick it apart. Everyone's different. The thing I see a lot of is people aren't using their feet. Um, that's that's huge. Most people aren't aware of how important your feet are. You stand on them all the time. You're asking them to move, and they're putting them in very rigid shoes, especially in Ottawa in the winter. We're wearing those big, heavy boots. No proprioception to your feet. Your ankles stop moving very well, and that just will translate all the way up the chain. As she's standing here in her bare, she's standing here bare feet. Well, I have my shoes on, and I you stand in there bare feet. So, feet pain. So, what what can they do can, for feet pain? So, what are some things that so if I came and saw you, I know I come and see you, yeah. right? Someone comes and sees you, or someone out there listening, if you could tell them three things that they could be doing to just make their body feel better overall, uh, what would you tell them, exercise specific, what would you tell them to do in terms of what you just said? So feet, low back, spine, what, what could you tell them that they could take away to prevent injury or to prevent pain from even becoming more systemic? We're going, we're going for like basic things you can kind of do. Everyday person, like yeah. uh, everybody, like generic population, 80% of the population. What yeah. would be three things that you could tell them today that they could go and execute tonight? Yeah. 
take your shoes off. That's number one. Take your shoes at home. Don't wear shoes. Don't wear big, heavy slippers. Get in touch with, with your feet, how they feel when they're touching the ground. You want to make sure you can move your toes independently of each other. So like lifting your big toe up and your little toes come down and vice versa. Most people can't do that. But if you actually work at it for a week or two, you will get the ability to do that. And that will translate into gait. So move your feet, bare, in socks, but no shoes. That's gotcha. number one. Um, in terms of your low back, a lot of times it's from sitting making sure that while you're sitting that you're dynamic. So it's going from extension to flexion to lateral flexion to rotation. It's moving around all the time. Slow down, slow down. What was that? You did that like <laughs> you do it like fast. Okay, so what you're saying is so if I'm sitting, what am I what you do you want to sit like this all the time. You, you don't want to sit like a little time like this. You want to okay. spend a little time like this, a little time like this, a little time like this. You don't just don't want to pick one and stick with it. Even if you optimally it looks really aligned. It's it's still over time going to be aggravating for your back. Okay. So move. So have a chair, or that's why they say those, like, what are those balls that people yeah. lose? You can do that, but that hurts after a while. But even a chair that's loose, you know, like if you had a form-fitting chair that's loose and it kind of moves with you, yeah. with the, so that would be something better, so it's not tight. Yeah, or also if it's on wheels, like move it, you can kind of move it around with I gotcha. your feet, right? So then you have to kind of accommodate that in your back. So just being mobile in okay. that way. The biggest one that I give people for neck, upper back, everything is chin tucks. All of us are walking around like this. Uh -huh. So you just want to bring it back into neutral, which for most people, they're going to feel like they're going to fall backwards. So it's literally just taking your chin and pulling it out. It's a double chin exercise. It's not sexy. Yeah. Do it in the car. Do it in your front of your bathroom mirror. But just get that. You don't want to look back in front of that. You just no. Want to pull your chin see, and I it. See, this is why I have to go see. Uh, so we'll, we'll, why don't we do this? Are you? Can you make a video so that we could put this as an attachment? Sure. So people could see it? Because I think this would be helpful because we can say it, but I think what we'll do is we'll have an attachment and they can just go to your site or yeah. where you are and they can see that video. Okay, so in terms of foot, I have one question though. What do you think about like, you know those peanuts for yeah. foots? So would that be something that like would also have, yeah, rolling the, uh, the peanut, like there's a little peanut that you can get that with little freckles and stuff like that. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, I usually, I'm, I don't want to say I'm anti-equipment, but I usually like to give people stuff that they have in their home right away so they gotcha. can go home and apply it right away. Grab a golf ball. I'll just take a golf ball. It's hard enough that you can put it right under your foot, put it in through your arch, under your toes, move it around. All of that will give you proprioceptive feedback, which is kind of the same as moving your toes in a lot of different ways. What does that mean? Pros? Proprioceptive feedback. Yeah. So it's awareness of where your body is in space. So for your feet, where your toes are in space. We oftentimes lose touch with that. So having some kind of tactile feedback under your feet will help. And then also you'll get a short-term respite in your arch just from rolling the ball. Okay. All right. So there you go. You can do that right away. And then in terms of um, injuries, so let's talk about the demographics now that work out, right? So the demographics of people that work out all the time, because you're in a gym setting, yeah. right? Like I think one of the, that's what I like about the sessions that we have together is that it's not just a session of, hey, you're going to like stretch me, tune me up. You actually take me into the gym and show me like, hey Harry, this is where you're tight, or these are some exercises that'll benefit you. So with the workout community, what are some common things, because that's a different animal, right? So now we're talking about the athlete, right? So what are some things that you see that they could be doing that they're not paying attention to, right? The good part is most teams now have a strength and conditioning coach, but there's some people who are working out, that they're working out six, seven days a week, they're training like athletes, and but they're not doing certain things. I was that guy. Right? Like I didn't know, like I always talk about with my old, with our old rugby lads, I always say that if we knew what we knew today, 
like missing that one game because our shoulder hurt, we'd probably all still be playing. But because we wanted to be, you know, there for the fellows, we wanted to commit and play, we didn't, and we played the game injured, yeah. right? So what are some things that you see the athletes doing that you could be like, hey, here's some things you could tweak that? I know each person's individual, but again, I'm talking about, you probably see, what, maybe 250 athletes. Of that 500, how many would be athletes? Most of them. Most of them. So then in regards to what would you see them making the mistake when you bring them into the gym? Like you bring me into the gym and you make me do some things, right? What are some common exercises that you see them doing wrong? And what are some exercises you think they should be doing that they're not doing because it's not, you know, in the foreplay, right? Of, of, the, of the working out. Because I know you give me some exercise like, oh, by the way, I just need you to do this with body weight. And I'm like, you know, and I huff and I puff. But I'm like, you know what? I feel better after I do it. So what are some exercises that you see We'll start with that. What are certain three exercises that you think an athlete should be doing that they're not doing that you know that would give them a high return on investment? I'd probably like to dial that a bit differently in terms of the question. So based on what you said, a lot of what I see with athletes, and it's a good and bad thing, is ego. So yeah. they really want to squat heavy. They want to deadlift heavy. They want to push a heavy sled. They want to do a lot of things heavy, which is great. And there comes a point in their training cycle that they need to do that. But I see a lot of people who aren't being well-managed doing that all the time. And that's just, it's stress on your body in so many ways, like MSK, which is what I'm musculoskeletal, which is what I'm treating, okay. and then also everything else for the recovery. So it's realizing that for a squat, you can do so many other different modifications, like landmine, like box, like um, Zucker, Zelter, Zelter, that one yeah. where you hold on your arms. Yeah, yeah. There's so many other different ways that you can squat that will challenge you, and having that dynamic range of stability in a squat is actually more beneficial to sport, because sport is dynamic. So different planes, more variety. Right. What are your, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I'll ask you, what are your top three exercises that you would recommend to someone to change the planes that would help most sports? Like, that's where I want to get to the nitty gritty. What is something that me, I'm a dad, I'm going to work out every day, that I'm like, Ashley told me I should do these three exercises, so I'm going to do them. What should they be? Uh, hip mobility, so the ones that I gave you that I did yeah. almost everybody is 99 transitions. Okay. Most people aren't aware of how much hip range they don't have until they try it. So that's one that I literally It's the give. worst feeling in the world. <laughs> I literally give everybody, and as the nice thing with the athletic population is they won't take that as a failure, they'll take it as a challenge. So they'll take that and like, okay, next time I go to see Dr. A, I'm gonna be better at this because I want something else. So what would be a good exercise that someone could do for their hips then? That, the, the hip transition 99. So and sitting, we'll put this, we'll put up links to this. Yeah. So that way you guys will be able to see it. Yeah, so you're sitting in a 90-90 front leg and back leg, yeah. and then you're trying to open your back hip, keeping your front hip on the ground, before your trail leg will follow, and gotcha. then you're back in 90-90 on the other side. So you need the activation of independently moving that hip into external rotation, then subsequently moving the next hip into internal, and you're going back and forth. So active range and using your rotators. And you can do that anywhere. Anywhere. Like, like I've done that right in front of the t watching TV. I'll just jump down on the floor and I'll do it, or... Even sometimes if I'm at my kids watching their sport, I'll just go sit down on the floor and do that right there with shoes on. I've done that anywhere, so that's a good one. What's another What's another exercise that you think would give athletes a big bang for the buck that they're not doing because it's not a major lift like squat, deadlift, that you think would help them with extend their um, longevity in sport? Yeah, so it's the anti-core movements. That I, that's something I use a lot of as well, so your payoff press. Um, it's resisting movements. So you're resisting rotation. You're resisting lateral flexion, flexion extension. I probably did that fast. That's but okay. All of That's your planes okay. of spinal movement yeah. being stable that way on different levers as well. So you can do a payoff press from here to here. You can do it up above your head. You can do it in a whole bunch of different ways. So it's being stable 
resisting force as well as while you're actively doing something. So don't just do sit-ups. Right. Right. Sit-ups are no way out. No one should do sit-ups. But why is that? What, there's the like you know I know there's Stu McGill out there. He's the big back expert. But you know, walk us through that because I think a lot of people are confused by why not to do a sit-up. And the other thing is, is what should you do as an alternative? Like, yes, there's the press, right? There's the ones that you've just told us, like change the planes of the angles. But what, what's the controversy around doing a regular sit-up? Because it's been used forever, which doesn't mean it's the best, but it was still the gold standard for like most military tests. Most teams probably, yeah. to this date, still probably use this, this sit-up. Uh, well, hopefully if they have good strength and conditioning coaches, they're not using them anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, so when Stu did his stuff, he, I mean, he is gold standard for back pain. He took spines and he did sit-ups with them. And he just kind of like studied the load. He studied shear. Shear is the big thing. So that's your your segments sliding on each other. It's putting pressure on your discs anterior and posterior. So there was so much load for so little core engagement benefit. So there are ways that you can engage your core that are much more beneficial and much less risky for your spine. So he like pioneered his McGill curl up, which is literally just lifting your head and shoulders off the ground. You will get better activation through your core that way and you put very minimal load on your spine itself. So in terms of a longevity point for athletes, you wanna put as little load on your spine as possible. So, so would I contract before I did that? So my feet would be down? You have one knee bent, one leg straight. One knee bent, one knee straight. You're pushing your belly button towards your spine. Gotcha. And then you're lifting your head and shoulders off the ground. Not curling and lifting, just straight lifting. And how far? As high as, as, high as you can go? Yeah, a couple like inches. Four or five inches? Okay, yeah. so it's actually a lot easier. No. No, as in like in terms of a full body range, like you know a sit up, you're going from down all the way up. Right, but you, right. From, with a sit up, you're going to grab your hip flexors more often than not. Gotcha. Which hip flexors are important and people should be training them, especially in an explosive sport but that's not what you're going for with the sit-up. People are trying to work their core. So you're not really getting good targeted core activation in a sit-up. So you're saying that by doing this type of Stu McGill, so you would Google Stu McGill. The McGill curl-up. The McGill curl-up is the gold standard for a sit-up, which sounds like it's way easier on your neck too. Yeah, as long as you're being careful. A lot of people tend to tuck or extend. You want to be neutral. Um, You're literally trying to stay flat as a board and just hover off the ground. And the longer that you can hold that, that's a better like, indication of where you're at with so you're your core the, stability. The old sit-up doesn't activate the core as much as this one does. Right. So that's good. So that means, and it's better longevity on their body. Now, you mentioned another thing that's called hip flexors. Yeah. So I'm very confused by this, right? So remember, I don't, I hear everybody say hip flexors, but what does this mean? So hip flexor is, where is that? So you've got two, they blend okay. together. So your psoas is actually literally all the way up to here. It's attaches, it starts right up at T12. Okay. So where your thoracic spine meets your lumbar spine. Okay. It's right next to there. It comes all the way down here and it blends with one called the iliacus, which is on the inside of your, if you think about your pelvis, it's on the entire inside cup. Okay. They blend together into one tendon and they attach on the inner, like part of the femur. Um, so your hip flexors, the psoas in particular is important for core stability, but it oftentimes is very tight in people and tight and strong are not the same thing. Because they have the psoas stretcher now, like this this thing the that you- The right? The right. yeah, I've heard about this, okay. Yeah. So a lot of people tend to be kind of stuck this way, I'm exaggerating, but because they sit all day. So mm-hmm. they're not asking their hip flexors to extend properly, so they're very locked into one particular range, they're only strong there, not in a more of a dynamic sense. So you'll often find with people who are doing explosive acceleration sports, they have hip flexor strain, they have groin strain, and it's because they haven't really trained their hip flexors to sustain that level so of... How do I train my hip flexor? That's because so if I go for a run, yeah. sometimes if I'm running, I'll find that that's tight on me. Yeah. Just in between, like I'm like, I say to my wife, I'm like, I don't know if it's my groin 
but it's too high to be in my groin, but I'm like, it's at the top of my quad. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. So what are some things that, I, I try to roll out on a bowel yeah. before I go. If it's too deep for that, you won't really So then what are some exercises that I could do to train my hip flexor? So if you want to activate your hip flexor, you can do what's called a psoas march. So if you put a band around both feet, you're literally just a band around a man goes okay and then you're what you're going to do is you're going to actively snap your knee up and then slowly lower it back down so you're going to go with the concentric or the contraction yeah. and the eccentric or the elongation most of your prehab or avoidance of injury is in your eccentric phase so gotcha. they're, they're equally important so would that help an athlete sprint yeah okay and power obviously during their workout like if they're doing a squat or a deadlift or an inch Okay, and then what else could they be doing? So what else should I do to keep my health flexors in healthy shape? You want to have good, we'll say, tissue mobility in that area. So I dislike the idea of a long hold passive stretch, but dynamic mobility through the hip flexor is really important. So if you're in a lunge position, let's say, and we're talking true 90-90, not leaning forward if you've got great mobility, um, and then you tuck your pelvis under, so you're contracting your glute and holding against your hip flexor, you'll feel more of a stretch. I can do that standing here and get a stretch in my hip flexor. I'm constantly, everything I move, Ashley, if I don't come and see you, is in a full stretch, <laughs> right? If you guys don't know this, I see Ashley every month because if I don't, my body hurts. We've gone through that where I missed an appointment for two months and I was like, Ashley, I just need to come and see you. So I like to do that. Okay, so hip flexors, we've got, you've given some ideas around a better um, uh, ab workout, which I think is important. Okay, is there any lifts that you think, in terms of athletes, so hip flexors, important, obviously. Do the stew, yeah. uh, McGill curl up. Yeah. Uh, you're saying to do more different styles of lift. Don't just back squat, do the zerker, do the split squat, front squat, front squat, squat, squat landmine squat. Landmines, okay. And then in regards to uh, exercises that people should stay away from or be careful with. What would you say, obviously we know there's the deadlift and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but what are some other lifts? Like, let's get away from the big lifts. Like, we know squat, deadlift, bench press can be dangerous, but what are some other exercises that you've seen people make mistakes that lead to injury that, you're, that they didn't know, right? Like, a lot of people will say, I bent over to pick up that shoe and my back pulled out, right? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff, but there's something as a predictor that did that, but what else? Tell us some funny stories, or not funny stories, but give us an idea of what are some other exercises that you see cause problems for people. Yeah, so oftentimes it's people who are finally starting to go to the gym and they're really excited and they go to the gym and they wanna do every machine that's there. They wanna try everything because they're dynamic and it's that, it's that time and they're getting fired up and they're finally moving and that's great. That's a really great time. It's also a very vulnerable time because they're not used to challenging their tissues in certain ways. And a lot of stuff that's in the gym is actually geared oftentimes more towards bodybuilding or towards aesthetics, which might not be super functional. So the one that I tell any patient who's not trying to build for look to stay away from is hyperextension to the back. Most people aren't capable of doing that without jamming their facet, so the, the joints in the back. So which, which one is that? So that's, it, you can use it a couple ways. You can be like bent over and you're nope. extending your legs back this way. Okay, gotcha. Both at the same time. So tell us the exercise that you would tell them to stay away from. It's the back hyperextension. Bite back hyperextension. Okay. Yeah. So the other one is you can sit down and you can just push back against it this way. Or the lower back ab, like it looks like an ab machine, but it's the lower back pushback. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So most people aren't capable of stabilizing properly through that. I get a lot of people injured off that one. So I just tell them to stay away from it because unless you want to build, and I call them tenderloins, big beefy tenderloins along your back for a show, you don't need to do it. You're going to be stable plenty just by walking because you have to hold yourself upright. Those muscles are always under load. What else is another one that you see? 
Uh, anything shoulder tends to be a bit of a challenging one. So in that so like the shoulder, like the machine, shoulder press, shoulder front raise, um, and lateral raise. You don't need a whole lot of weight doing those, and if you don't know how to do them properly, you end up shrugging through the tracks, or you end up coming off the plane, and it just—it's never usually a great thing. You want someone to show you how to do those properly. Once you've seen someone do them properly and you've done them properly, you're fine. But it's not one that most people who've never lifted before can just go ahead and bang out. I know since I've had my labrum surgery, I'm not. I, the, everybody ever to Harry, don't do upright rows. Upright rows. Um, I like upright rows if you're doing them properly. Yeah. So a lot of times, anything shoulder, I'll get a lot of people with overactive traps. So if they're doing an upright row, they're doing it like this. Gotcha. Instead of doing it properly, which is like this. So if you're really, if you're looking to do shrugs, do shrugs. Don't do an upright row and shrug while you're doing it. So those are some other exercises. Now, in regards to your exercise, what's your favorite lift? Because you lift. I think that's important, right? Like, what do you do? So yours is deadlift, right? 100%. And so um, how many times do you deadlift a week? Just once uh -huh. um, in terms of, like, I'm setting up a bar and I'm doing, a, like, a, a stiff deadlift. Uh -huh. But I do a lot of single leg deadlifts. I do a lot of banded deadlifts. I'll do... Um, Coach Lex, the capital designs my program, and there's usually a deadlift component in almost every day, but your strict deadlift only. A chiropractor that deadlifts. Hmm. Yeah. Right, because most times. Right, <laughs> exactly, right. So that's good. And then in terms of, um, you know, we're going to get a lot of people who are out there just kind of like doing weekend work. How do you feel about cardio? So cardio? tell me about cardio in terms of like, so in our office, we see a lot of people. And the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of people come into my office that are overweight. And I tell them, don't run to get fit. Be fit, then run, right? So do you see a lot of injuries with people over, like they just start being like, I'm gonna bang out that treadmill. And I tell guys, I tell people all the time, like don't do that, right? How do you feel about that when you see that? Like, I believe that there's a time and place for running, um, but do you see that as an issue? Like people over, like at the beginning, because remember we're in February right now. So we're gonna get a lot of people who are just like, starting their New Year's resolutions or they're just getting into it and they might be injured now because of what they just started out. So how, what would you suggest to, I'm going to revert that question, but what would you suggest to that newbie into the gym if they wanted to do, you know, what's three exercises you would tell them to do right away to just say, hey, here's a good foundation for you to learn. These are the people with no trainers. They're just going into the gym and do it. What are three exercises that you tell them to do? Are we talking about cardio specific or? No, forget the cardio. I, I'll forget that whole question. Okay. Uh, no, because I think this is going to give better idea for people that when they walk into the gym, what are three things they should be learning to do? And you could talk progression, right? You could say like, uh, you know, touch your feet, then move up to a dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. I think people need more help with that because I see people walking into the gym and they've never lifted and they're just doing like, I'm going to just do deadlifts. It's like, mm, maybe yeah. not the best thing to start. So. What are three exercises that you think could be a good base for all lifts? And it could be upper body, lower body, that you think would be good for all of them to start working on today. And I will say that the person hasn't worked out, never been in a gym. How about, like, that would be a good place to start. Okay. Um, I, I still wrap it around the big three. Um, yeah. So a variation of a squat. And most people are scared of the squat because they're like, oh, it has to be perfect, whatever. Yeah. So if you sit down on the toilet, pardon my frankness, yeah, yeah. but if you sit down on the toilet and stand back up again, you've done a squat. Yeah. So you can do a box squat. 
um, find a mirror, put a box in front of it, sit down and stand back up again. And it could just start with body weight, right? It doesn't have to be with Absolutely weights. Absolutely start with body right. weight. And the big thing to watch for in the squat, and I tell people this all the time, is that you're not throwing your body forward. Make sure that when you where your feet are and where you're sitting, you're going to sit down, you're going to stand back up. You're not using momentum to get forward. Plant your feet. Yeah. Be barefoot. Ideally. Right, take your shoes off, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so from there, I would say some variation of a hinge. When you're first starting, I just would take a dowel and just run your the dowel down to your knees. What's a dowel? And back up a broom handle. A broom handle. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So they can do that if they want a little bit more burn right away. They can hold onto a band around their feet so that the band is the burn coming back up. Yeah. Um, but you want to use the tracing on your thighs for now so that you're not kind of coming out of that hinge pattern. And then some variation of a press. So if you're just starting, honestly, the press machine is fun. Like the one that you're starting right at your chest level, oh, yeah. pressing okay. forward. It's safe. The plane is for your shoulders. Make sure the height is adjusted. Neutral grip or either. Which grip would you say? I like. I prefer to press this way because it will mimic a bench and that will translate better if that's where your goal is to end up. Okay. But if your goal is just to press, it doesn't really matter. I got you. I got you. Okay. And then in regards to your health so you've obviously been working with you know in the past two years you've probably learned some new stuff yourself because i think we as clinicians think one way and then we learn things as we go along like hey this was great in theory this doesn't work today what are some things that you've learned about the body in the past so the interesting part is if we ask you zero to 500, what did you learn? Because I'm sure at 500 to 1,000, it'll change. So this will be Absolutely. fun. So what have you learned so far about the human body that you know you read in the books was supposed to be A, but then learned B is actually happening? Because I, I love that stuff, right? So what have you learned? Are we talking about my 500? Yeah, what did yeah. you learn? Like, what did you learn when you walked in? You're like, oh yeah, you know, you're all excited. Like, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what I learned in school. And then all of a sudden you got into practice and you start working with bodies like, well, this isn't at all yeah. what I was seeing in my theory. So what are three things that you've changed your mind about, basically, in the last zero to 500 people? Yeah, I'll, I'll say it as one big thing, and that was literally how I had to perceive what I do for people. So when I, when I used to think that I fixed people, and that was very God complex and arrogant of me. Yeah. I don't fix people. What I do is I provide a therapeutic window. So if someone comes in to see me, I do soft tissue, I do acupuncture, I do all kinds of passive stuff. They mostly just have to lie there, maybe move their leg, maybe move their shoulder. I get them up off the table, I take them in the gym. I show them how to do stuff. I show them how to use what I've given them to then go forward. So I'm enabling them to get better. I'm not fixing them. And that has to be communicated in the first visit because if I work on them, and I usually work on people a bit longer when they first come in, they feel great and then they just think the solution is to come see me more often no the solution is actually to see me less it's to take what i've taught you and apply it on your own and that will really ramp up how you're feeling altogether. so that's like my big takeaway in 500 hopefully there'll be another big one in the next thousand it's funny because i like that about you right i've been to see other people and i find they just give me the i shouldn't say that the people i've seen are very good because um, I've, I've always worked with someone for a long period of time but I think that your that your your let's say your change that I've noticed with you is I like the fact that you I walk in there you sit down with me and say okay what's bothering you where are you tight what are you doing what kind of idiot stuff are you doing right <laughs> tell me and I'm like okay I'm tight here I'm tight there this is what's going on you work not just on my area that I said was bothering me like I've said to you hey my right groin's kind of bothering me and my left shoulder you'll work on still everything so that whether, I don't know what you do, like let out a couple of screeches, you do some ART, which I'm addicted to, mm -hmm. right? You do the stretching and then, but you're not a backtracker. I think you do that after 15 minutes of actually doing a full, first you talk to me, 
then you do my analysis, like you actually feel my body to see where it's at, which I like. Then you work on what's tight, and then you work on what's around me. Then you, you do the, my favorite, right? Because I love. You're like, getting I get, adjusted. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I ask my kids to walk on my back every day because I think it's the best feeling in the world. I know it's not the best, but um, and then you, but the big part I like is you'll bring me into the gym and be like, hey Harry, you need to work on this based on what I saw. It's like try these exercises. So I think you got me doing Cossack squats now, and you got me doing uh, shoulder shoulder cars. shoulder cars there, and. I think that that's a dynamic shift because you are right. Every time I do that, every time I do the exercises you give me, the next time I come there, you can progress me to something else. But I notice it in the gym. I notice it when I sleep because I'm always in pain. I've had a lot of pain, right? Not like to the point where I'm taking an Advil, but I mean, you've seen me walk in there. It's like, oh man, it just hurts to get out of bed. And I think that that's something important that I feel that's why I want to keep coming back to because I'm like, you're going to challenge me with some exercises that go with it, right? So anything, now what about the body? What have you learned? So you've learned something about you that you've changed. What about the body? What have you learned about the body? Um, tissue would be different. Like everyone's tissue is different. I know everyone says that everybody's different. Everyone's unique. Actual tissue texture is very unique. It's very individual to certain people. I have people walk in that never work out and they're some of the tightest cookies I've ever had to work on. And I have people that walk in and they're athletes and they have loose fluidity through their tissues or vice versa. So you, I never know until I put my hands on someone what kind of tissue I'm going to be dealing with. And then that tissue will literally dictate how they respond to care. So if someone walks in and they're, it's like putting my hands on rocks, they're going to have a longer journey to getting to a place of feeling a little bit better versus someone who walks in there a little bit, I call it gumby, they're a little bit loose. Then I'm going to focus more on stability. So how their tissue feels really dictates my approach with them treatment-wise. Even if someone walks in and they're the same age, same sport, they can have two very different tissue textures. Because yeah, I think in school you probably learned protocol. This is A, this is what you do, whereas now you're really learning. Anything else that you've learned? What, so let me ask you a question. When you say tissue, would you think diet plays a role in tissue? Absolutely. So when you see an athlete that doesn't eat very well, so because obviously you've seen some of my clients, right? Yep. And so in terms of nutrition change, obviously you've worked with somebody who's probably like, hey, I'm losing weight right now. How was their tissue from the start to their journey? Like let's say they come in 30 pounds overweight yep. and then all of a sudden like, you work with them over six months and they're 30 pounds lighter. Is there a change in their tissue and the way their body works? Because, you know, you can change the way the body reacts. Yeah. But do you notice that when you're working on a person as they lose weight? What are some things that you've noticed through someone's like journey of whether putting on muscle, losing muscle? Body comp change. Yeah, body right? comp change. Yeah. yeah. So I would say, especially working with your clients, because your main goal always tends to be to decrease inflammation. Yeah. That's the thing that I notice. Whether they're going up or down in weight doesn't seem to be particularly relevant on the tissue. It's how much inflammation are they carrying at any given time. So if you're battling inflammation from your gut, it's absolutely going to present in your tissues. It will hinder your recovery in terms of your musculoskeletal system. And you, can you feel that when absolutely. can you move them easier? I, I've heard that from other therapists like Harry. I can move that person easier because there was just less, let's call it, stress in the body. Yeah, and, right? that, and that goes for joints, muscles, nerves, bones. Everything will move with more fluidity when you're not carrying chronic inflammation. Okay, and anything else you've learned that you want to share? Um, in terms of? Just what you, like, I think the key is that, you know, I always like to share what everybody's doing okay. uh, in terms of in the clinic, right? Yeah. One of the big goals of this podcast is to share people that the Instagram world is BS. And that what that one person did for 30 days doesn't mean that's what they did for the year because that was just a glorified 30 days. So 
I always like to give people the insight of what's actually happening in the clinic, right? So, you know, uh, like people say, oh, Harry, you're in shape. I'm like, yeah, but I have to go see you every month, yeah. right? Like I get my body worked on every month. I, you know, have a sauna in my basement, right? Mm -hmm. I try to exercise. I try to take all the stuff that you're doing. And I think that these are the things that are going to progress people's longevity. And then they wonder why people are doing stuff that they're doing that you're like, how are you doing that? You're 40 years old, Harry. It's like, yeah, but you're forgetting about all the stuff I'm doing in the background because I don't talk about it all the yeah. time, right? Because I forget. I'm like, oh, I just did it, right? Yeah. So that's why I always like to share that kind of information of what you're seeing in the clinic. People just got to learn that stuff, right? Because, you know, they'll see stuff in the media or they'll see stuff on YouTube or their friend. But it's like when you get the real information from the clinician, I feel like you get the real, uh, the real true nuggets of learning. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll scale it, I'll use myself a little bit as well, uh -huh. but body maintenance is really important. So what I do, what you do, taking care of your body from multiple different levels. I had to learn that, I mean, I'm 28, and I had to learn that I have to go see my RMT once a month, yeah. I have to come see you and get advice. I thought I ate healthy. That was yeah. the wildest part. I thought I was a really healthy eater. It turns yeah. out, no, uh, I am now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> that's important, though. I think you're, you're growing, like, it's interesting that a lot of people who you see have good longevity with their body. They have a team yeah. of you, people, you, right? It takes a village, right? So it's having, it's you know, finding out like who can help you with the sectors that you don't know about. And being a clinician is great. I know a lot about one thing. I know a lot about three to four systems in the body, and actually probably a few more than that. But a lot of systems in the body. When it comes to digestion, I learned some in school, but it's not my strength. There are people out there that can teach me about that. When it comes to tissue fluidity. RMTs know exactly what that feels like. They can approach it from a different way than I can. I need that input. Physiotherapy, same thing. It's having a village of people behind you to say, okay, I want to feel amazing all the time. What does that take? And realizing that that has to start with me because if I don't have that, I can't give that to other people either. Like my cup has to be full. So I'm really, really, really focusing on my own body. Yeah, because you've, you've done a big change with your eating. Like even since I've met you, I think we've met now six, seven months ago. Mm -hmm. And even now you're like, you're telling me more and more that you're growing as a person, right? Like you've done your diet change, yep. right? And I make fun of those pictures at Capital. I'm like, you got to get new ones. Yep. Um, but you've <laughs> gone through your change. But I think that that's an important part of like who you are as a person is that you're willing to grow and you have the RMT, you have the nutritionist, you have someone working your programs. And to everyday person, they're like, what do you, why do you have that? You're like a doctor, you're a chiropractor, you should be able to do that. But it's no, you have a team and you have to be kind of like white belt mentality that, and we as practitioners are the worst on ourselves, right? Because we like, oh, we'll try this, we do that. So in terms of nutrition, um, you said there very quickly, you talked about, you thought that you ate healthy. So again, <laughs> I stick with my thing of three things. What are three things nutritionally that you've learned in the past six months, like just in the past year of working with nutrition, being around a gym, because yeah. that's also that like helps. athletic nutrition that you deal with at varsity sport is different. And you're also coaching, volleyball. you coach volleyball with the Mavericks, right? Yeah. Coach and trainer. Coach yeah. trainer. So yeah. what are three things that you've changed your views on towards food in the past year? Uh, so the big ones were cutting gluten and dairy. And yeah. I, I, one of those things that you kind of fool yourself you're like no it's fine if i don't eat very much of it it's fine no it literally is that one thing and that will set up a whole chain of events that is not great for me and that took like on and off the wagon of figuring out how dramatic that was for me so that was one um monitoring alcohol intake it's easy to have a glass of wine every night realizing what that does to me long term probably the biggest one was protein i 
live with a very substantial human. He's six four. He works out all the time. He eats a lot, but he doesn't. He wasn't eating as much protein. I wasn't eating enough protein. So I was hungry all the time. And you graze, and you're like, okay, well, I'm grazing on Aussie bites from Costco. They've got to be good, right? They're organic. Yeah. Uh, but you're eating six of them a day. Like, how good is that for you? Yeah. So all of a sudden, if I started increasing my protein, I didn't have to eat those things. I can go four hours without getting hungry again. I can do my job, which some days is 10 to 12 hours, and I can get away with eating three to four meals and feel fine and go home, go to bed, feel great. So that's been a huge change. And I don't really focus so much on the composition change. That's nice, for sure. It's nice for everybody. But it's the energy. I wasn't able to get through those long work days feeling great. I'd get to the last patient day and be like, oh, thank God. I can't wait to go home and sit down. Now I get to the last patient, I'm like, oh, who's next? Like, I'm fired up. I'm excited. I have lots of energy. Um, I sleep really well. So you actually have more energy too. Oh, huge. Right. That's great. No, because you know, you come from a, an athletic background, right? And we deal with lots of athletes who are varsity. They're like, I eat good, I eat great. You eat 10 times, like that's a big thing that we're actually dealing with a couple of athletes right now. They eat 10 times a day and they're snacking, snacking. They're not, they're eating good food, but they're not eating complete meals. And when you actually change the structure and give people more protein and give them the right amount of food to need to eat today, totally changes their ballgame. But I love what you said because even at 28 years old, you were noticing that after chiropractor school, after playing, after coaching, that you had a little bit of burnout, yeah. right? And that by changing your food, having an RMT, get, like you have a full team of people around you and you work in a very good environment as well, which really helps. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show you that at any age, at any given time, you can always learn more, but you always got to fight the burnout. You always have to fight the burnout and food, RMD, it's something that um, like I tell my clients to do a lot is take a hot Epsom salt bath, take one a week, right? Or go sit in a sauna or go get a massage once a month or go see an athletic, go get, go see a car, go get work done on your body because it will make you feel better. And so in regards to um, about you, so how do we find more about you? So where do we go to find out more about Dr. Ashley Harris? So on the Capital website, my bio is there. It's extensive. I'm pretty adjacent. So what's the website? Uh, CapitalStrengthTS.com. Okay. Um, my bio's on there, and it, it's extensive. I'm pretty addicted to continuing education, so I have a lot of certifications. What's your next course? I'm doing my sports physician acupuncture in the fall. Nice. 10 days. It's super awesome. Okay, so give me a thing. Give me a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so I have, I have, I already have one acupuncture. This will be the progression. It's internationally recognized. It's awesome. I'm excited. Um, so that's all there. My Instagram is at the motion Cairo. So I post some stuff on there. Oftentimes we'll share stuff. The Capital Strength Instagram, Capital Strength TS, also has a lot of info. I put up a video every, one of us will put up a video every week, but every three weeks my Therapy Thursday video goes up. Awesome. So I did one on the Payloft Press. I've done them on the Miguel Curl Up. So a lot of stuff that we talked about today is all available on there. Great. And so then, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Dr. Ashley Harris in Ottawa helps me. I wanted to really bring her on today to help you guys just learn more about everyday things. I know this podcast is a little bit all over the place, but I hope it gave you some information, just some insight on how to just take care of your body better. Nutrition is one thing, but actually learning how to move properly can just help you long-term because if you get injured, chances are you probably stop eating better, you'll stop sleeping worse, and you won't feel as motivated. So injury prevention is a huge part and as an athlete in the past you know when I've been injured I've gone through you know drinking a lot of alcohol eating a lot of ice cream going through depression because I couldn't move and uh, after working with Ashley for the past what four or five months 
I'm very happy with the way that I'm feeling and I'm moving and that she's constantly pushing me and progressing me. And you don't see that type of, let's say, chiropractor love from other places. So I wanted to make sure to get her on to share some information. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Have a beautiful day.